in the right place. <laughs> Just want to check, make sure. Well, so good to be with you. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together, a really special time, and we pray that you would use this passage that James has selected uh, to help us all be uh, thinking uh, in accord with the heavenly mindset and thinking about the word of the cross and thinking about what it, what it is that um, that you have done that's not only saved us but also given us the ministry that um, we're, we're grateful for that so Lord God may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight and and may the ears of all who would hear be open to your word and help us to uh, Test everything according to the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it's so good to be with you here. Um, most of you I don't know. There are a few that I do know, and that's kind of a thrill. Um, so let me read the passage here. It's, uh, it's the end of 1 Corinthians 1 and then into the beginning of 1 Corinthians 2. So starting 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and, and through... 1 Corinthians 2.5. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? Yeah, great passage. Even though I didn't choose it, I, I can't think of anything better, really, actually, now to be talking about then right here. And one of the reasons is I just finished a series in First Corinthians. So I'd just been through this and had a chance to cut, put it all together and see the difference between sort of the autonomous mindset and how they were even living that life in Corinth, kind of doing Christianity my way, as opposed to this heavenly uh, mindset, heaven-directed uh, Christ at the very center of everything, and unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. That, that, that difference is right there. It shows up all over 
all, all over the place, really, uh, in the book. But I, I think there's another thing is that just what I see here in this passage just really fits the occasion. And it, it does for me personally, too. I, I, I was an elder at, at Christ Presbyterian Church Nashua some years ago. It was a second career for me to go into the ministry. I was working at what, what was Digital Equipment Corporation then. Um, and prior to coming to seminary, I went to Gordon-Conwell, prior to coming to seminary, I had been um, director of strategic planning for a Fortune 500 company in my 20s. And so what I usually tell my congregation at this point when I tell that story is I, I, I could have been a contender. In other words, it was like that. You know, I was on that pathway, uh, and it was a little hard for my father-in-law when I said, yeah, I'm going to seminary. I'm going to be minister. What? Bait and switch. So, so in any case, uh, you know, particularly even having that role of strategic planning, director of strategic planning, and you're going around, you really think you are somebody. And you are going from place to place and running these sessions and putting together these you know, documents that said, well, here's what this division is planning on doing. Here are our goals and how we're going to fulfill this in some way. And of course, then you leave and people take that little folder and put it on the shelf. you know, And then they, they do what they're still doing. Uh, and, and, but you think something of yourself, maybe a little too highly. Think of yourself too highly. And then I became an elder here. Oi, that was hard and humbling and good, good for you know, character development and things like that, because I was so young. And these other guys, they were great. Dick Judkins, John Breeding, Walt Mala was there. Probably some of you know, but others don't. Uh, and it was challenging, because all of a sudden, I, I, I was dealing with situations in families and what am I supposed to do here? So it, it's, it's, it was challenging, and that was good. You know, and I think for all of us, we reach these moments in life by God's providence when we're bought, brought to that realization that unless the Lord builds a house, you know, that's not going to happen otherwise, because I cannot do this. Now, of course, that's important first for our own salvation, and that's the first paragraph that I think that we're looking at, and then secondly for the ministry. You know, both of those are things where we need to realize, it's, if, unless God does it, no way. So at first he says, consider your calling. And isn't it interesting that God chooses what is foolish, what is weak, what is low, what is despised, even things that are not. And if you think of yourself as something other than that, well, then you have to go through this first intensive course, you know, <laughs> where you're brought to realize that you are these things. And it's sort of a process because first you realize, oh, no, I am these things. And then you start saying, well, no, I'm foolish, weak, low, despised. But you don't believe that. You know, you know, you think, no, I really am somebody, but I've learned that I say these nice things about what I am. And then you start to, you know, you realize that there's a point at which you, people start to say, wait, these confessions of sin are real. These are really, this is my condition. It's bad, right? And, and he did this so that we might not boast in his presence. Turns out, of course, it's offensive for us to be boasting in the presence of the Lord. And it's also not good for us either. So 
Christ has become our everything from God. Everything. Wisdom. Yes. It's our wisdom. I mean, you've got to realize, look, triune God, everything has come from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, to the church, and then back again by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father, and it's, it's glory. The Son of God, the eternal Son of God, became man to do what only he could do. Of course, he's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. Look at him. Look at the way he does things. Of course, everybody thought that he was unrighteousness because they had such a wrong understanding of what righteousness was that they were ready to condemn him, even kill him. Uh, but he's our righteousness. And he's our sanctification. Unless our sanctification comes from the Father through the Son by the Spirit, there is no such thing as sanctification for us. So all this growth in holiness, it's happening because of him. Redemption, yeah, the buying back. But we were, we were in such bad shape and dead in our trespasses and sins. And, but we were sold into the slavery of that. And now... Who comes purchasing, purchasing us but our Hosea, you know, who takes us, this Gomer, and brings us uh, redemption and so much more, really. Because that these, these are words, but there's so much more. And I think it's, it's that he's our everything, you know. And it's like uh, in uh, the passage, uh, Shema, where in the Old Testament where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, strength. The last word is muchness. With all your muchness. Whatever you think you're much about, he's, he's your muchness. So you could have a hundred words, a thousand words there, but he's our everything. So, of course, then that changes the whole boasting plan. You're not going to boast in yourself. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> You can use it as a sermon illustration 30 years later. That's okay. But let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And that ends up being a breath of fresh air because we want to know God. We want to know him. We want his love to be coming through us together as a church. right? And that brings us to the second part because this is not just consider your calling and your own position as a saint, which is important, yes, but also consider the apostolic ministry. And Paul is showing us that just as much as our salvation is entirely from God, so is the ministry. So this is where we, you know, if we'll believe our heritage, it will help us because we'll say, look, we don't have to come up with our own ministry here. We actually, this is gift, this is gift to us. Sure, we're going to have to figure out some things, but really, the outlines are all there for us. And one thing I've learned, maybe it's part of the humbling process, everything I tried in Exeter, that we tried, Doug and I, together, I'd like to put you in this so I don't get... Everything, everything I tried failed. Everything. And then God built the church. It was just different than what, than what we would ex ex have expected. And he did it. So... So how did that work? Well, not with lofty spe uh, speech or wisdom. Um, and Paul, I think he had it. He could have done that. 
he could have been a contender, you know. He, got, he, he had that capability. Uh, we're determined. He was determined, and we need to be determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I think the whole larger catechism, you know, it, it, it's not like you're, you're, you're not just saying, oh, just this little doctrine here. No, 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 no. It's the whole of everything seen through the lens of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Of course it includes the resurrection. Right? It's not like he said, well, I, I didn't mention the resurrection ever in Corinth. Of course he did. But it was all through this lens of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so we come in weakness and in fear and trembling before almighty God. Right? And then God uses us as a demonstration of the divine power of the Holy Spirit. Really, the whole of the Trinity, you know, is at work. And God is, he's, he's showing himself. And it's our, our privilege to shine the light on that anytime we can. Man's chief end is, right? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Fantastic. That's what we get to do. Our faith must not be in ourselves, but in the power of God alone. So the point here, I think, is that Jesus and the cross are everything to us, both personally and ministerially, right? And we need to catch ourselves and catch one another when we forget that, because, of course, we do. We forget that. So we need to be reminded, and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more. Just be, re be reminded of that. And so applying it just really just a couple quick thoughts here. Jesus and the cross are our only eternal hope. God has no plan B. So in terms of our access into eternal life, <laughs> there simply is no other way, right? And that's becoming clearer and clearer to me. The idea that, that oh, you could have 10 different ways and we're all going up the mountain. They'll all lead to the same place. And Jesus is one of them. Isn't that nice? But there's a lot of other. It's so wrong on so many levels because of, look, who is this Christ? Is there some other place where the son of God has actually become man and then fully obeyed the law in some, and then die. Is there somebody else who's done that? Because that's the only way. And would we be so rude as to go to God and say, yeah, I really like what you've done with Jesus. I'd like to see nine other of these too. So just a little choice. I'm kind of a choice person and I would like to have that. No, no, no. Of course, we, we need to fall down and say, thank you. Thank you for providing one. The question was, was it going to be zero or one? Thank God it was one, right? And of course, that was part of his eternal counsels. You know, you talk about blood of the eternal covenant. You know he had this all in mind from before the foundation of the world. And then secondly, um, the word of the cross and humble love are our only method. I remember being at Exeter, being one of the first ministerial meetings that I went to. And one of the guys who had been there, he's working in a congregational church, part of the renewal movement and the whole UCC. Great, great man of God, you know. And he just said something like this at that point. Can't remember the exact words, but it's just about, you know, it's humble love. It, 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 this, this is what we do. Uh, the word of the cross, the humble love, that, that's what we do. There is no plan B, you know, and there's no need for one. Really good news because that means that we can be used for this. This works really well all over the world, this thing. You don't have to be rich, right? 
So, I mean, you could do this in some persecuted church in Pakistan. Or you could do it in Nashua, too. That's really great. Very, very encouraging to us. There's no reason why God in his grace and mercy would not use us here. May he do so. May he do so. And uh, may God be glorified. Father, thank you. Thank you for this congregation, for the heritage and new beginning. This is, this is in a sense, it's day one. It's, it's such a good uh, day for us. Each day for us is day one. Help us to walk in, in truth and love and obedience according to your wonderful purpose and plan. And we would glorify you and enjoy you, Lord, forever. In Jesus' name, amen.